Hi, friends. Welcome to Unyielding, a podcast for Pathways to Hope Network. Our goal for this podcast is to connect with mothers of children facing the juvenile court system. We want to use this platform to give a voice to the challenges you're facing while you're learning to navigate the sometimes scary and uncertain world we enter when our child has been charged with a crime. For the next 30 or so minutes, we hope that you will feel seen and cared for. We hope that you are reminded of your value and that you leave a little stronger than you arrived. We hope you are reminded that you have sisters out here who silently walk beside you in solidarity. Most importantly though, we hope to honor the always beautiful, often heart-wrenching, unyielding love that a mother has for her child. Hi, I'm Angie, and this is episode seven. And in today's episode, we're going to spend some time defining strength. We just wrapped up our first series, which was titled Into the Unknown. In episodes one through six, we talked about what you could expect on your journey through the juvenile court system. Episodes one and two went through the court process. Episode three was all about you and the everyday struggles that you might be experiencing. Episode four was about our relationships, specifically marriage, and how having a child in crisis can impact it. Episode five was about the impact on siblings. And in our final episode of the series, episode six, we talked about your child who's at the center of it all right now. Have you had a chance to check them out yet? If not, I really encourage you to do so, especially episode three where we talk about trauma and what goes on inside our bodies when we're experiencing it. I think that when we have an understanding of the things stirring inside us, it helps us process our struggles better. I know that six episodes won't cover all the ins and outs of what to expect. I mainly wanted to address some of the highlights so that our listeners would genuinely know that they're not alone in what they're experiencing. Now, we all have different interpretations about what it means to be strong in crisis. But so often when we really find ourselves in the thick of it, our perception of what we should or shouldn't reasonably be able to handle, well, it can be a little off. The other day, I came across a post in a Facebook group. It was from a mom who was clearly at the end of her rope. The post said, My son has been arrested. It seems like none of my family or friends understand what that is like for me. And I feel like I push my feelings aside all day long because I have other kids that need me. I don't have the luxury of being able to vent, cry, or show weakness. I read those words and my heart broke because they perfectly captured what some days were like for me. How lonely it felt to be stuck in my worry. How hard it was to tuck away the pain and keep moving forward because life was not going to have the decency to stop while we figured this out. I remembered trying to fake being cheerful so that our other kiddos had a sense of normalcy. And the way I would lie in bed every morning staring at the ceiling wishing it was nighttime so I could crawl right back under the covers and just sleep until this whole thing was over. In hindsight, I can see that I was equipped with everything I needed to get through the grief. 
but it didn't feel that way at all. I felt helpless. It seemed like my faith was the only real refuge for me in my weakness. During that time, I wished that I was stronger. I remember feeling weak for not being able to just pick up and carry on. I hated feeling like I was constantly walking this delicate balance between controlling my emotions and being completely overwhelmed by them. So often I sit with a mama who looks off into the distance, hands in her lap, tears rolling down her cheek, and I listen to her say, I can't do this. I'm just not strong enough. But here's the thing. When I spend time with those moms, I don't look at them and see weakness. I see something much different. What I see is incredible strength. So I thought that maybe we should spend some time today defining strength. I once read that strength is not about what you do. It's about overcoming the things you once thought you couldn't do. And I love that idea because it reframes our thinking. It shifts us away from this idea that we should be handling every situation perfectly towards an understanding that just by showing up every day, we're demonstrating strength to ourselves and to our family. Strength is not about holding it all together. It's not about responding to this tidal wave of actions and consequences with barely a flinch. Expertly managing your emotions while moving through your day unaffected doesn't mean you're strong. It means something's wrong. It wouldn't be human to go through this experience and have zero emotional response. It would mean that you're either suppressing emotions or that you just don't care. And I think you and I both know that any emotions that we're trying to suppress will always find a way to the surface one way or another. And any mama listening today is without a doubt someone who cares deeply for her family. See, strength is not about having all the answers. It's not about being in complete control of the situation or even handling every scenario perfectly. But yet somehow in our minds, those are the things that we tell ourselves, aren't they? We expect perfection from ourselves. Okay, can you imagine, even for a minute, telling a close friend, hey, listen, I know your world is turned upside down right now. I mean, you're trying to get through some tough things while not sleeping well and being worried about what's going to happen with your child. This tug of war in your mind has you questioning if this is somehow your fault and wondering what you missed along the way. That's super hard, but you have to be strong. And while you're staying strong, make sure you do this perfectly, okay? I mean, I know you've never been in a situation like this and never anticipated that you would be. Still, you really gotta dig deep here and make sure you come up with the best solution to all these problems. Oh, and make sure that you're really tenacious about appropriately managing your emotions at all times, okay? No way. That sounds ludicrous, and you would probably punch whoever said it right in the face. But we do that to ourselves, don't we? In fact, the other day, I was talking to a dear friend of mine, and in the midst of her own heartbreaking trauma, she apologized for always crying. She said she gets frustrated with herself because she wants to be appropriate. Oh, sweet Jesus. Can you imagine 
battling feelings of helplessness and heartache, and on top of that, the worry of handling it all appropriately. I've never wanted to hug someone so bad in all my life. See, I think what happens is that when we face adversity, we see the pain and hopelessness of the situation. We see our faults and failures. It's like a light shines on all our missteps and those of all the people who are around us. But adversity plays another role too, a purpose that we don't realize when we're in the midst of it. Now hear me out. Adversity seems to tear away from us all the things which can be torn away. And that tearing away is painful. And when it has done what it has come to do, what we find is that we come to the end of ourselves. It's not a fun process coming to the end of yourself, but the one benefit we receive from it is that we are left with a really clear picture of what cannot be torn away. What's left behind is ours. And as much as it hurts to think about how painful it is to have things that are precious to you ripped away, there is still so much beauty waiting to be revealed. Strength isn't found in the perfect reply, the perfect answer, the perfect display of emotions. Instead, strength is a journey you go on when you're confronted with a situation you can't control and your heart makes tiny, microscopic movements towards accepting it for what it is. See, strength is not about agreeing or condoning the situation that you find yourself in, but continuing to move ahead and trying to figure out the best way forward. Strength is about being brave enough to seek support from those tier one friends, family members, and support groups. Do you know what I mean by tier one? Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Sometimes in our need to feel seen and be heard, we start to look for people we can confide in. In our most vulnerable state, where we long for connection and are hungry to be understood, we stumble across someone willing to listen. And sometimes that person ends up being the wrong person. Anyone who has ever experienced this is probably feeling an intense sensation in their gut right now. Most of us have had the unfortunate experience of being burned by someone we trusted. I know I've had to learn that lesson the hard way. So here's how I now identify tier one friends and family in my life. For me, tier one people are the ones I never hear gossiping about others. Anyone telling you something about someone else in confidence will likely be telling someone else about you in confidence. Anyone digging up dirt on other people so they have something to share with others will likely also be digging up dirt on you. Tier one friends are the friends who trust you with their secrets. The ones who have experienced their own heartaches, fought their own battles, and understand that nobody has this thing called life figured out. They are not the people who have all the answers and get offended when you don't take their advice. They're not the ones who match every story you have with one of their own. They listen and they offer suggestions with empathy. They don't shout out the missteps and judgment of others. Instead, you see them offer grace. Now, one reason why it's so important to only share with tier one friends and family is because the last thing you need right now is to have to deal with any additional emotional baggage. 
You don't need to waste energy on explaining yourself to someone who seems to have it all figured out. And you certainly don't need to use up brain space wondering or worrying about gossip that may or may not be spreading through your circle of friends and family. What's most helpful right now is having people who will sit beside you in your pain without needing to fix it. People who will listen in confidence without judgment. Someone who will offer encouragement without you having to worry if they'll tell others. If you don't have tier one family or friends, I want to take this opportunity to invite you into just such a group. Pathways private Facebook group is a safe place to talk to others about what you're feeling. It's a judgment-free community where we listen and offer support. Your participation in the group is only shown to others who are in the group. It's not something that posts on your wall or shows up in your public profile. But if the idea of joining an online support group feels like a little too much, or if you don't have Facebook, we also offer a parent mentorship program. If you're interested in learning more about our mentorship program, you can email closedgroup.pathways at gmail.com to set up a time to talk to someone who can help fill that need today. Whatever works best for you, whether it's talking to your tier one friends or family or joining an online support group like ours, just remember that we model strength for ourselves when we are brave enough to seek support. Now, there is another practice I want to talk with you about today, and that is the practice of working towards a healthy balance of emotional expression and compartmentalization. So let's break down what that looks like. To me, emotional expression begins with the self-awareness of what emotions you are actually experiencing. The easiest emotions to identify are what are known as core emotions. Now, core emotions are emotions like happy, mad, sad, scared, things like that. Usually when we think about how we're feeling, it falls into one of these basic categories. The problem with core feelings, if you can call it a problem, is that they identify the overarching emotion, but don't specifically address what's actually going on inside you. And research has shown that when we can name our emotions, it significantly reduces physiological stress, helps bring our emotions under control, and lowers our emotional reactivity. For instance, sometimes I'll talk to a mama and I'll ask her how she's feeling, which I know is the worst question to be asked when you're feeling overwhelmed, but there's actually a reason behind why I ask the question. In her reply, she might say something like, how am I feeling? I'm pissed. I am so, so angry. Totally understandable, right? We've all been there. But the more we talk about it, the more she begins to reveal why she's angry. She says she's feeling really frustrated about the fact that her world has been turned upside down, but her son just seems to be continuing on with his life as if nothing has even happened. And every time she hears him on his cell phone laughing with friends or asking if he can hang out, all she can think of is, Are you kidding me? She continues talking about how irritated she is that her child's arrest seems to be impacting her world more than it's affecting his. 
and how that just doesn't seem fair or sit well with her. There's a lot there, right? I mean, we could have a whole podcast episode on just that one scenario. But do you see how acknowledging your frustration with your child and your irritation with the scenario is different than just recognizing your anger? The more we specifically express the emotions we're feeling, the more we can unpack them. Talking through and processing anger is going to look different than processing through frustration and irritation. Have you ever seen a suitcase after you've told your child to pack for a trip? Like you give them the suitcase and you say, all right, buddy, we're getting ready to go. We're going to be leaving early tomorrow morning. Start packing up. Put what you need to take with you on the trip in the suitcase. And they come upstairs or around the corner and they've got their suitcase in their hand and they say that they're all done and they put it in front of you. And you unzip it and you pull open the top and inside is a jumbled mess of God only knows what. I mean, Hot Wheels, we really need to bring those just so you can be upset you left one of them behind. Yeah, nothing is sorted or folded nicely. It's all crammed in there. Five pairs of pants, two shirts, three stuffed animals, a blanket, two books, and one pair of underwear. What's the actual plan here? And where are the socks? Well, if you were presented with this suitcase, what would you do? If it were me, I'd start by pulling each thing out. I'd look at what was in there. I'd think about what we'd be doing and what the weather would be like. I'd make an inventory of what we had so I knew what we needed. And then I'd start repacking the suitcase, putting in the things that I know we'll need, leaving out anything that didn't serve the purpose of our trip. Yeah, sorry, Hot Wheels, you're staying behind. You are only going to cause heartache in the future. Do you see the connection? Expressing emotions is healthy. It unzips the bag we're carrying and unpacks what's in there. It allows us to identify what's going on inside us to process through those emotions and begin working towards removing the things that aren't going to serve us on this trip. On our website, under the resource tab, we have a document called a feelings wheel. And I wish it had a cooler name because whenever I mention it, I always think of an older, sweet kindergarten teacher with a circle of little kids around her feet and They're all staring up at her while she talks with them about how they need to use their words. Like maybe we could call it the what is even happening wheel. I mean, I kind of like that name better. But anyway, the wheel is a tool and it can be used to help people identify and communicate what they're feeling. Take a look at it when you get a chance. It's actually pretty cool. The center is labeled with primary emotions the emotions we identified first, like mad, sad, and the outer rings contain secondary emotions that are linked to the primary ones. It can be a really helpful way to get answers when you're flooded with emotions and you're thinking to yourself, what is even happening right now? We also have some journaling prompts that you could use as part of a daily practice for strength building. Both are available, like I said, on the resource tab of our website. Check them out and let me know what you think. As always, I'll have a link to our website in the show notes below. Now, there will be times when you just won't be able to identify that secondary emotion, and that's okay too. In those moments, a therapist I was once seeing taught me a trick. She said, when you have a feeling, but all you can identify is the primary emotion, 
it helps to say, I feel angry and I just do. That's it. You don't always have to have a deeper understanding of what you're feeling. Sometimes we just need to acknowledge it and move on. I feel irritable today and I just do. Or even, I feel happy today and I just do. No apologies, no excuses, no rationalizations. I just do. In those moments, I speak my truth out loud. I grab a cup of coffee or tea. I put it in my it is what it is mug and I move about doing life. We don't need all the answers. Sometimes we just need to accept it and go on about our business. All right, so let's move on to compartmentalization. Compartmentalization is defined as a defense mechanism in which people mentally suppress their thoughts and emotions. Where denial is a refusal to accept a situation, compartmentalizing is more like putting feelings on a temporary hold. I've seen it used successfully by many parents. It takes a bit to get used to, but it gets easier with practice. Some people will use it as a way to stay focused on completing a project. Others will permit themselves to mentally tuck their worries away until after they've tucked in their kids at night. I've seen some people write down their worry, place it in a jar, put a lid on it, and then come back to it later. Some will place it under a cross with the relief of knowing they aren't dismissing its importance, but relying on a strength greater than their own to solve it. One mom I knew would set an alarm, and every day when that alarm went off, she gave herself an hour to cry, to vent, or even just space to sit in her worry. The practice is about learning to establish some order to the madness. It's helping yourself establish boundaries around how much this situation will get in the way of the rest of your life. This practice it gives you back something that you are desperately missing right now. It gives you back control. Compartmentalization is something that can be used when you need to plan a birthday party for a younger child. It can be used to give your brain a break while you're at work. Or even if you are planning a holiday dinner. Now there can be some dark sides to compartmentalizing. And I think that we should probably talk about that too. When we begin to use compartmentalizing to avoid dealing with emotions altogether, it can really begin to take a toll on our mental health. That's actually something much different than compartmentalizing. Keeping ourselves busy to avoid dealing with emotions is actually a trauma response. So I want you to be really careful of that. When our way of dealing with our emotion is to not deal with our emotion, then we're headed down a long and bumpy road. And the work that it takes to come back from that is far more challenging than taking the time to honor what you're feeling today. But what about if you get stuck in the feels? Have you ever been there? You're thinking to yourself, what is going on with me? I feel broken inside and I don't want to feel better. Like I know I'm in a pit, but I just want to stay here. I remember feeling that way more than once. Like I didn't want to be cheered up. I didn't want to move on with life. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I just wanted to feel it. I'm not sure what the science is behind that. Maybe because sometimes going on with everyday life feels disingenuous. Or maybe working through our pain at times feels like it's minimizing it. Maybe getting unstuck means facing life without a resolution and that just feels too heavy. 
or maybe it's a real sign of depression. I really don't know what it is, but my husband once told me that our wounds are what heal us. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's a part of us that somehow knows instinctually that this wound will be the very thing that brings about our healing, that the two are one. So the definition of strength is not avoiding weakness. The definition of strength is continuing to show up despite weakness. It's about continuing to try even when the outcome isn't perfect. The outcome can't be perfect because perfection would require practice and no one has practice at this. Strength is being brave enough to own your feelings and your experiences and your healing. Here's the thing. Managing your own mental health through this process is one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself. The thoughts I'm sharing today naturally reflect my own journey, but this journey is yours. You're 100% in charge of your recovery through this process. So while I ask that you remain open-minded enough to hear suggestions that might be helpful, all of the answers on what you need to heal are already inside you. So trust yourself and own your space in this journey. Reject shame when it wants to shout should-haves and could-haves. You're strong because every morning you wake up and try. Because you've sat with weakness and it hasn't stopped you. You're strong because even though you may need to hide out and heal sometimes, you always find the strength to get back up and to keep pushing through. You're amazing and brave and wonderful and no one could love your family the way that you do. Okay, friends, well, that wraps it up for this week. Thanks so much for listening to Unyielding. I really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way today. If you did, could you show some love to this community of mamas by leaving a review and subscribing? You know how lonely this journey can be. And when you leave positive reviews and subscribe, it makes a big difference in helping other struggling moms out there find us. Oh, and don't forget to check out Pathways to Hope Network's website. The link will always be in the show notes below, where you can access an ever-growing library of resources, a list of local and national resources that may be helpful, a page entirely devoted to frequently asked questions, as well as our blogs that cover a variety of topics. When you visit the page, remember to subscribe so you're added to our monthly newsletter designed to encourage and educate you throughout this process and beyond. You also receive access to our closed Facebook group community, where we break down this podcast even deeper. Just a reminder, our closed group is a small group of parents just like you that understands what it's like to have a child going through the juvenile justice system. Take advantage of this opportunity to be part of a safe space where families can come together to talk about their struggles, help answer questions, and provide judgment-free encouragement. You can also find our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, where we post five days a week, posts designed to help keep you fighting. Remember, family is like life. It's a fight for territory, and once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. Until next week, friends, remember we are stronger together.